reality, however, is found in Christ. May God richly bless his word. Turn to number 208, please. 208 in the brown.
we have been considering questions raised by Mel Gibson's film, The Passion of the Christ. Last Lord's Day, we looked at the answers to the question, who was Jesus? The mixed reaction of our day was similar to that of Jesus' own time. Some thought he was a prophet, others just a good man. Very few that he was God's son. Peter's confession is, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That was a rarity to find. The proofs of his sonship was his fulfillment of the prophecies that we have in the Old Testament concerning him, his teaching, his miracles, and his own claim. He claimed to be the Son of God. Now today we're looking at the question, what is the cross about? Gibson's film does a pretty good, accurate portrayal of the flogging Jesus took and the Roman form of crucifixion. In my own studies, I learned of the Roman scorpion. That was their name for the whip. Embedded little pieces of metal designed to tear a man's flesh to shreds. Terrible. Men died from such floggings, often never making it to the cross. In Jesus' case, he was certainly weakened to the point where he could not bear his own cross. You remember that. In an interview I saw about the cross in the film, that was no styrofoam replica with sound effects, a man beating in the wings, making loud thuds to simulate weight. No. Uh -uh. The cross in the film weighed 165 pounds. And both actors, Gibson and the one that took the cross into place, struggled up the steps, up the hill, bearing that 165-pound load. So you see what they were up to. They were trying to replicate as best they knew how what Jesus actually went through. But the Gibson film does not give any reason for the cross, sadly. Although it demonstrates that in Jesus' case, it was a cruel injustice and the product of a kangaroo court in which the cards were stacked against him. The Bible says that Pilate knew that it was because of envy that the religious leaders had handed Jesus over to him. Matthew 27, verse 18. Jesus was more well-received than they. <laughs> That's why they envied him. That is with the people, and he was gaining in popularity every day. So the religious leaders wanted him out of the picture. They were jealous of his influence. They sought to eliminate him as their main competition. Why they felt that there should be a competition in bringing people the gospel, I don't understand that, but they did. They did. 
And you know, jealousy has been the underlying cause of many murders throughout history. In Mark's gospel, through uh, in, in, in discussing the same thing, says that the chief priests, as a result of their envy, and let me read it for you here, stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. So you see how far they were taking it. And they stirred up the crowd to cry out for Jesus' crucifixion. You can read about this in Mark 15. This is it then as far as the film goes. We are left with the impression that Jesus was a victim of political intrigue. He fell victim to having, excuse me, to to being a righteous man in a corrupt world. A man in the wrong place at the wrong time, that kind of thinking. So he just got kind of swept away with the jealousy of the contemporary religious teachers. End of story. That's explanation of the cross. Well, the world may be content with that explanation and willing to leave it go at that. But God isn't willing to leave it go at that. God has much more to say about the cross and why this occurred. And in the mind of God, there is no such thing as Jesus, his son, being a victim of the times. And so as we come to consider some additional truths that we need to know, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God and thank you for the cross. As we come to study this whole subject today, give us your insight. I'm sure the world has misrepresented the whole incarnation and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They paint it with a different brush. But thankfully we have the scriptures we have before us the truth of your intent and your goals and your accomplishments. And we bless thee for that. I pray that you will be with us today by your Holy Spirit. Because when we're dealing with spiritual truths, we need a spiritual interpreter, not a human interpreter. We need the Holy Spirit to come and open the word of God to us in, in ways that we may understand and appreciate it. Thank you, Lord, for each one here, and we pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm asking the question today, what is the cross all about? The cross was part of God's plan of redemption for sinners, and Jesus was born into the world with the express purpose of dying on the cross. There's a hint of this in Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. But if you do not know your Bible well, you would miss it. In the opening scenes of the movie, Jesus is found in the Garden of Gethsemane, agonizing in prayer about the ordeal which awaits him. And as the viewer watches, a serpent appears on the ground, slithering its way towards Jesus as he prays. Suddenly, in one 
startling moment, Jesus slams his foot into the serpent's head, crushing it beneath the weight of his heel. This is, of course, an allusion to the prophecy given to the serpent who beguiled Eve, a prophecy about Eve's coming offspring, Jesus, who would prove to be a rival to Satan. The scripture says he will crush your head. That is the offspring of Mary will crush Satan's head and you will bruise his heel. Genesis 3 verse 15. Put it pointly, Satan is no lover of God. He's no lover of mankind either. Jesus taught of him he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, and he's the father of lies, John 8, verse 44. This is how Satan killed Adam and Eve, you'll remember, and consequently, the whole human race, with a lie. With a lie. God's one stipulation to our first parents as they lived in Eden, the garden of God, was... Don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2 verse 17. But Satan's lie to Eve was this. You will not surely die. Genesis 3 verse 4. And Paul writes, They exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And they worshipped and served created things, the serpent, rather than the Creator, Romans 1, verse 25. And in Romans 5, verse 12, it explains the devastating effect of that decision. Sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men. What is that? It means Satan killed the race with a lie. He killed the race with a lie. And so the stage was set for what we now call the classic battle of good versus evil. And between the prince of truth, Jesus Christ, and the prince of darkness, lies and deception, who is Satan. In Genesis, God was indicating in the prophecy of the serpent that Satan would lose. That the woman's child would crush his head. And that anything Satan could do to him would be but a bruising of his heel. This is one explanation of the cross. It was Satan's attempt to cut off the savior of sinners and despoil the plan of God. Little did he know that he was playing right into the hands of the Almighty. Do not be as foolish as many people of the world who regard, with regard to the evil one, they talk about him in such foolish terms. Satan is not a fool. He's not someone to be trifled with. He is powerful. Now, he's not all-powerful, but he's powerful. He knows many things. 
but he does not know all things. He is present in our world, but not present in one and the same time in every place simultaneously. It's not omnipresent. He is, after all, created being with all of the limitations of being a creature. He can mimic the miraculous, but the Bible calls his works counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9. How so? Verse 10. Every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they have refused to love the truth and so be saved. So he's a deceiver, he's a trickster, he's someone that is full of all kinds of deception and lies, and the world is his playground. So, with regard to the cross of Jesus, Satan had no knowledge that God planned the cross all along and intended to use it, not at some tragedy of a good man caught up in an evil vortex, but of the way of redemption for sinners, a payment for sin which would wipe the slate clean for all who believe. And it is in principle what Joseph told his evil brothers who sold him into Egyptian slavery, which was only to be the salvation for them in the great famine, Joseph's intervention. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. God often functions that way. The saving of many lives, Joseph said, Genesis 50, verse 20. Now, they didn't plan that, but God planned that. 